0: Okay, good morning. Feels like when we're handing over and handing over, we need one of those kind of Top Gun moments, Nat and him. Just like these high fives as we walk past. Nat didn't say that the clocks were actually going back four hours. You might have heard, it was in the news. If you haven't, just take my word for it, they're going back four hours. So, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. Enjoy that. Okay. Right, just to let you know, Paul. And Chloe are away, uh, getting a well-deserved, earned break. But do think of Sarah, and uh, one of the one of Paul's sisters who've got the boys. So, uh, but you know, Sarah's a more than capable, capable granny. You know that. But do do, do think of them. Uh, but just keep praying for Paul and Chloe that they'll be refreshed. He's such. They're such a blessing, aren't they? Let's pray for their refreshment while they're away. Uh, if you don't know, Paul is the lead elder of the church here. Thank you, Em. Look at that. <laughs> what a lovely wife I have. Um, what I'd like to do is share a little bit with, with you. I, I found that was a wonderful time in God's presence as we were worshipping there. And, and I appreciate across the room here there's going to be all kinds of... Um, Differences in our own lives. There's going to be, we're going to have all different experiences. And worship is always, I mean, the singing, the musical end of worship is always subjective. There's be some that are kind of lost in love, honor, and praise, and weeping on the floor, and others kind of biting their nails at the back. But you know what? God loves you. God loves you. And He knows exactly where you're at. You know, please don't think for a moment that those that are lost are closer to God than you are, okay? He's really everywhere. He's everywhere. He's in all things and he knows where you're at. He knows where you're at and I believe that he wants to meet with you afresh this morning, hopefully with how I share what I share. Um, I'm going to be preaching in a few moments through through our series that we're going through for the letter, the, the Gospel of John. Uh, so feel free to turn there. But like, what I'd like to do f- probably for the next sort of 10 minutes or so is share with you where I've just been. I, I've been away for the last two weeks, so it, but it's great to be back. It's really good to be back. I've, I've missed you lot, believe it or not. <laughs> I really have. You realise what a, what a family we belong to. While I was away, Em told me stories of... Many of you phoned her invited, her, invited Emma and the children round, got together with her. We're, we're, you're such a wonderful family. Really, really wonderful family. And it's a privilege to be part of this church. It's also a privilege because what the church does at times is send us out. And, and me and Brian, why don't you wave quickly, Brian, so people can... Did you see that little hand? He's got one big hand and one little hand. Um, sorry. Me and Brian have just had the privilege of going to America for 10 days. Uh, and we went on a, a dual mission, if you like, and this is how it started. Brian, my friend here, said, do you know what, Sam? He calls me Tineus. Do you know what, Tineus? I'm desperate for more of God. I'm, I'm, these are my words, but this is Brian, okay? Now, there's a church in California called Bethel Church in Reading, and they're encountering, they're seeing amazing things of the Holy Spirit happening. And he caught wind on the, on the internet. Go online, go on their website, you'll be blessed. Their music, Jesus culture uh, is, is brilliant, brilliant worship. Uh, they're preaching, great, it will stimulate you. Um, Brian caught wind of this conference. Very boring title, Open Heavens. You know, I thought, wow, what a title. You think... You're not, going to, you're not going to not encounter God going to something like that. So he, f- he heard of this conference coming up, and he said, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> and I, being me, went, I'll come with you. <laughs> Without thinking I've got a family, and commitments, and um, I, th- I felt like a teenager again. Some of you will know my story, but for those that don't, I, I was born in America in San Francisco, and all of my dad's side of the family are still out there. Well, I'm from a Greek-English background. My, my dad's family are all Greek, but they emigrated to San Francisco. and My mum's from England. But all of my dad's side, when they split, my mum and dad sadly, my dad and my brother and all the, that side stayed in the States, and me and my mum came back here. So it's always been really heart-wrenching. Our relationships have had to be reformed and structured, you know, all sorts of stuff. But God's doing amazing stuff there. But I just thought, actually, it could work. I haven't seen my nan, who's now 94. I haven't seen her for a long time. could be the last time I see her. I haven't seen her for a while. It could work. Let's keep talking about this. I talked to Em. We we talked about it. And we thought, for us to go as a family, it's probably not realistic. Um, So we went. We planned it. And lo and behold, it was happening. We were flying off to California. Um, staying for four days, five days in the city in San Francisco, and then me and Brian were loose in a car trying to find Reading. <laughs> he said, I can't read a map. Well, I said, well, that's no good, I can't read a map. Em <laughs> is my map reader, she's phenomenal. We phoned the hire, the hire place said, we can't guarantee you a sat-nav. We were like, oh, so what do we do here then? Do we just follow the sun? Um, And Reading, it's the equivalent of driving from here to past Birmingham. So it's quite a distance. Loose, me and him, loose in California. My cousin got us a fantastic deal. Anyway, we're gone. We're we're driving along there. That's how we came about being there. When we were there, I want you to look up Bethel. I can't go into detail because there's so much to tell you. Bethel Church are being mentioned a lot in Christian circles these days because they're they're believing for great things. They're trying to build a revival-style culture within their context. They believe, if if Jesus' prayer was, Lord, heaven meet earth, as in heaven on earth. That was Jesus' prayer, wasn't it? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yeah, May your kingdom come on earth, as it is in heaven. Paul was... Thank you, you helped me with that. That's that's their heart, isn't it, Brian? That was their heart. They want to see more of heaven crashing down on earth. So that's not a bad thing. And if anything, we both feel we've come back with our faith levels raised a little bit. Because we don't see enough, do we? So basically, Bill Johnson, this guy that leads the church, says, what it says in this book, we want to see happening. If Julian Adams was here, wasn't he, last year? Julian Adams is very shaped, I think, through Bethel and what they're doing. If all we do is read this, but do not expect it to happen, there is no point reading it. This is the living, active word of God. If it says that the sick will be raised again, we've got to believe it. If it says that dead hearts can be changed, if it says that Jesus is the only way to the, to the Father... If it says that we will lay our hands on the sick and they'll become well again, I wanna push us. We've got to see it more. It makes me angry that we've got so much sickness still in this world. Because it's not of God. One day we know it's all going to be wrapped up. We know that. The final day is happening. It's like two bookmarks, isn't there? The final thing is gonna happen. You know, we are gonna receive this beautiful new bodies in whole in a beautiful new earth that's been restored. But here on earth, I think we do have to fight for it more. So that's what they're about. They're about building a revival culture, saying, God, it is all about your presence. They do not, I must say, kick this out. They absolutely believe in the word of God. That was evident while we were there. You go online, look at their mission statement. But they are saying, the word of God says that if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. If God's presence is not with us, King's Church Hastings, then there is no point us meeting here. It's all about God's presence. That's what separates us from every other people group on the face of the planet, that God would come and dwell with us. So I want to tell you, this is what we encountered. The first session we got in there, I could have just wept. And Brian afterwards said to me, I could have just cried while we were there. And I said, that's exactly what I felt. And I haven't felt that for a long time. And he started something in me. It's like every time I start talking about it, I feel like welling up inside. What happened was, there was such a tangible, that's probably the right way of putting it, isn't there, a tangible sense of his presence there. Their auditorium they call the sanctuary. As soon as we got in and the band started playing, I know we were on holiday, as a vacation style, but genuinely, folks, there was this tangible sense of God's presence and I could have just wept. And it wasn't because God was convicting me of sin. It wasn't because I was weeping for the lost or it was because God was there. And there was something about his presence that was just breaking my heart again. And I think there's a, there's a taster of what he wants us to experience each time we come in. Each time we come in. So we saw some great things, and I'm still outworking a lot of it in my own heart and mind, so I hope to share more with you. I went with, I went with an agenda. I went with an agenda saying, God, I want you to infect me with something so I can bring it back. Many of you might go, and I'm still like, that's, that's, that was the agenda. But God very quickly reminded me that it was a functional agenda. I'd gone to impress. There was something of function there. Whereas what he wanted me to do was for me to encounter him. Not for me to get something on the external to bring it back, although that's what I absolutely want to happen. And I believe God does that in partation. We absolutely believe in that but I think God wanted me to get something. Something deep and inside of me that I didn't have. And I'll tell you what it was and what it is and what God's taken me on a journey with. It's rest and sonship. I wasn't restful and I'm still quite agitated inside. That's my, nat- my natural thing is quite bouncy. I'm always bouncing onto the next thing and never really sitting still, never too satisfied with how things are. Whereas what God was wanting me to do was come and rest. You know, Mary and Martha, that story, when Mary's resting, Martha's buzzing all over the place. And that was my heart, if I'm honest, church. I went with heavy burdens. Why aren't we seeing more people at prayer meetings? Why aren't we seeing more people saved? Why aren't we seeing more joy here? Whereas I felt the Father just saying to me, why aren't you resting? Why aren't you resting? Why aren't you peaceful? So that's the journey that he started with me, folks. And it's a very liberating thing. It's a journey. I don't want to be exaggerating. I don't want to be over-modest. It's a journey that started. And the way that I'm to rest is sonship. As a son, that's something that a guy called uh, John, and John Arnott, many of you would have heard him. John and Carol Arnott were the guest speakers there. And John Arnott opened up the first session talking about the Father heart of God or the, the love of the Father. And I haven't heard anything like it. It was very basic but profound. And he said that every believer needs two revelations. We need more than that, but two key revelations. The first one is that God is very, very big. He's incredibly massive, bigger than you can ever imagine. And the second revelation is that He is very, very nice. Makes you chuckle, doesn't it? Because that's how he said it. Because I just thought, nice, but he is so good. He is so good. And he wants us to know him as sons. And ladies, what I mean by that is the same for you. It's not just a male thing, it's sonship, it's an inheritance, it's a position, it's an identity. God is speaking to me a lot through my children. I didn't know the love of a father, but I know how a father loves And he's been speaking to me, saying, do you know the love you have for your son and daughter, dear Thomas and Bethany? And I'm like, yes, Father, I know. I know that love. That's exactly how I see you. And you know, when I came back from the States, me and Brian came off the train to meet my wife and daughter. And as soon as my eyes caught a glimpse of my daughter... man, uh, there was no money that could have bought that. I just smashed my face into her face, gently. <laughs> I didn't headbutt her. That would have been weird. I just smushed my face into her face. And we were rubbing noses. And I could feel her breath on mine. Then when I met my son that evening there was a picture because I saw him coming up the driveway and I went running to embrace him and he came running to me but there was eye contact all the way and I genuinely felt the Lord say to me every time you come into my presence that's how I meet you. Every time. If you fall, that's how I meet you. If you sin, that's how I meet you all because of Jesus. And I believe there's something that we all need to get from this. We need to know our identity in him as sons. Until you get that, your whole Christian life will be one of anxiety, agitation, stress, boredom. Know you're a son. Know that you're a son. Absolutely loved by the Father. There's this one very powerful evening where this guy came forward at the end, after John had preached, and he came forward and said, uh, I've been a Christian for five years now, and for the first time tonight, I realise I'm a son. And he was just weeping. And there's this other one story, I'll just share it with you quickly. John, and Carol, John was talking about manifestations of the Spirit, that we should not despise it. You know, when people go down, when people shake and quake. He was like, I'm not, I'm not worried what, pe- that, what happens there, because God will do what he pleases. What I want to know is what is happening in that person's life. Yeah? It's not the external. Don't worry about the manifestation. Worry about what God's doing inside. So this guy was, or lady, I can't remember, I think it was a guy, was spinning around and giggling and jumping in the, in the air and falling over and st- standing up and giggling. And John was like, who's very open to the spirit, this is weird, where does it say this in the body, you know, struggling with it. And afterwards he said, I I asked this person, what was going on in your life? And he said, he had never known a father until that night. We had a vision of God the Father picking him up and putting him on his lap and started to tickle him and chase after him. And I felt God remind me, that's what you do with Tom. My wife always tells me off because all I do is wind him up. All I do is one after him, I trip him up, I shove him over, I tickle him until he nearly pees his pants. That is basically my job. Seriously, that is often what I say to him. I am going to tickle you until you pee your pants. I'm sorry if that... My wife's telling me off. I'm sorry... <laughs> I'm really sorry if that offends you. I'm not going to tickle you in such a fashion. <laughs> but I just want us to get something. That God loves you as a son. He, he absolutely adores you. As a son. And we need to learn to rest in him. There's so much more to share. I didn't realise I... I didn't want to waffle on too long for this. But there's something of a... I just wanted to share what God's doing so far. Something of rest sonship, that kind of thing. Please speak to Brian. We're going to be praying for folk afterwards as well. We're going to be praying after the preach um, for a few areas that I'll let you know about. But just know, dear friends, you're sons. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can know God, the creator of the universe, as a father. As a father. Hopefully you would have found John by now. If you're there, please turn to John 15. M. M. E. M. Could you get me a tissue? (laughs) It's hard to... I didn't know how to sign that. John 15. And by the way, at the end of the Although the preacher isn't directly connected to this, at the, at the end of the... Um, thank you. At the end of the preacher, that's what I want to be praying for people. I want to pray that there would be impartation. That as I lay hands on people, as we lay hands on people, I've got pastoral deacons as well, as we lay hands... I want, I want people to receive sonship. By the Spirit, we cry at Abba Father. That's what I want to trust for today. So if you don't know God as Father, you might have been a Christian a long time. If you don't know God as Daddy, as Abba Father... He wants to meet with you today, and I'm going to pray for you. Please don't go. I want to pray for you. John 15. The words will come up on the screen behind me. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts every branch in me that bears no fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you just come and rest on us? Come and teach us your ways. Come and remind us who we are in you. Come and remind us who you are. Come and reveal yourself to us, I pray, for Jesus' glory. Amen. Okay. I've got three. I'm sorry to keep sniffing. When you've got a nose the size of mine, I tell you it's it's difficult. I see no one said you haven't got a big nose. That's very kind of you. (laughs) Okay, I've got three headings today. They should come up. Thank you, Joe. The vine, the gardener, and the fruit. And I hope this takes us on a journey. That's what I want to look at. The vine. What is the vine? The gardener. What is that? The fruit. What on earth is that? We're going to be looking at what these signify, if you like. So the first one, the vine. Jesus says in verse 1, I am the true vine. Now this is one of the seven I am statements found in John. There are many more I am statements, just so you know, throughout the New Testament. There's lots. Jesus seems to often say, I am. I am. I am. I am this, I am that, I am coming, I am there, I am at the door. Lots. We might look at it as a figure of speech, but it's not. I think it has profound meaning. I really do. This is one of the seven I am statements found in John. We also have Jesus saying in John, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate or the doorway, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. By the way, no one comes to the Father. No one comes to this Father apart from Jesus. You've got to come through him. He's the, he's the door. He's the doorway. And here we say, I am, we see, I am the true vine. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the true vine. We've got to understand that when Jesus says the words, I am, they have massive meaning they're far above everything else we might imagine. We are so limited on our little earthly realms where we are because we think, as humans, we think on a very temporal level. When Jesus says, I am, it is above everything else. So I am the good shepherd. He is far beyond any shepherd you could ever imagine. I am the bread of life. You know what bread smells like? When it's being cooked, there's nothing quite like it, is there? Actually, bacon and coffee smell good as well. <laughs> but imagine just bread being cooked and how it feels when you have bread with butter, it's all warm and, and it feels like it satisfies you. Jesus is like, I'm far beyond that. I will satisfy the deepest of hungers you have. This, what I'm preaching on today, is in the context of a series we're going through, looking at, is Jesus incomparable or Irrelevant. Because, folks, you've you've got to come, I've got to come to a position. There is no middle ground. There's no mediocrity. He's not vaguely nice. He's not vaguely interesting. He's either utterly amazing or completely irrelevant. Okay? So that's where we've got to get to. So when Jesus is saying these things, he's wanting these disciples and us to catch, I want you to see how amazing I am. we've got to be confident Jesus enjoys boasting in himself God's completely fine with that because it's all about Jesus all of it also in Revelation the last book in the Bible we read these words Revelation this is a, a vision that John has of the risen Jesus coming to be with him and it's the last book in the Bible it's there for a reason because it's preparing the way Behold him at the door. Jesus is very near. Jesus is very near to returning. We don't know the day or hour, but he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Who else in history can say that? I am the first and the last. Revelation 18. Sorry, Revelation 1 verse 18. I am the living one. And this is what we need to hear, because this is what our whole faith is based on. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. That's what our whole faith is based on. If Jesus is not alive, we meet here for nothing. Our faith is futile. But he says, I was dead, but behold, I'm alive again forevermore. And this in Revelation 22 verse 12 Behold, I am coming soon. That's the day and hour we're waiting for, folks. The day the Lord Jesus comes back and everything will be made whole again. A few things of interest. In Acts 9, when Saul... We're looking at this term, I am, to begin with, okay? Before we get into what is the vine. A few things of interest. In Acts 9, when Saul comes face to face with Jesus... You know, this character Saul that's on the road to persecute, he hates this message we're carrying. He hated Christians. He hates this thing all about Jesus. He was on the road to continue this persecution, murderous threats. He was breathing out murderous threats. And then what happens? He comes face to face with Jesus, this risen one. And he says, Jesus, why are you doing this? And the interesting thing is Saul goes, who are you, Lord. It's so fascinating. Who are you, Lord? Jesus says, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Also, I was, this is just, I hope it tickles you, because I, as I was studying this, I, it took me back to the, the, New, the Old Testament with Exodus, right at the beginning, really, where, Jesus, where God refers to himself as I am. Now, I'm not saying we can base this as the same as what Jesus is saying here, but I'm just, it's interesting. That to Moses, when the, you know, the story of the burning bush, that it was burning, but it wasn't consumed, it was we We look at it like this little thing, I think it was a huge thing burning, just burning before him. And he drew Moses to there, and then what did God say to Moses? Moses, I want you, doesn't say it profoundly this way, but... I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, "Let my people go. You're going to set the Egypt, You're going to set the captives free in Egypt." And Moses, oh, no, you know, you, you can understand this turmoil. He's a man. I imagine God's coming to me saying such a thing. He's an ordinary man, and he says in the end, "Well, who shall I say sent me?" And what does God say? "I am who I am." Tell him that. Sorry, who? I am. What an unusual thing to say. I think I am refers to one of God's names, Yahweh, which is, means Lord or God or Almighty. It's a huge title. I am. Nothing or no one else has that right in history to say, I am. So when Jesus says, I am, it is beyond anything we can imagine. So here we see him saying, I am the true vine. This is the meaning. What does it mean by the vine? What does he mean? To help us understand, we're going to go back in history a little bit. The Bible uses the word vine or vineyard to speak of the people of Israel. Israel were known as God's vineyard, God's vine, the chosen people of God. There's a fly again. I'm going to get you, fly. The chosen ones, the vine of God. Those set apart to be God's vineyard, that's where the Bible speaks of. Vine, vineyard, grapevine, they all symbolise fertility and fruitfulness. That's what God wants us to see. It's not like a little shrub. What do vines do? They creep up, they crawl over, they go everywhere. All you need to do is look at a vineyard and it just spreads and spreads and spreads. That's what Israel's intention was, to be blessed by God and to go. They were the grapevine. They were the vineyard of the Lord. God intended his goodness to flow from them, out of them to the nations of the world. That was God's intention. Yeah, that's what we see. Through, through this, it's going to happen. In Isaiah 5, verse 7, which is also in the Old Testament, it's a, it's a prophet. This is a prophet of the Lord speaking. So it says this, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his delightful plant. That was God's intention. That was God's desire and plan. That he was to become their source of life. And because of this, Israel would become this beautiful vineyard. But you know what? Everything went horribly wrong. As we know, Israel got it wrong. They started to turn to all sorts of false gods. They turned really in into themselves they became unfaithful. They became unfruitful because of that. They were disobedient. They didn't continue to honour God in what he'd asked them to do. Once a beautiful vineyard was now becoming dead wood. And then another prophet speaks, Jeremiah, and says, yet I planted you, this is God speaking through the prophet, yet I planted you, Israel, a choice vine, a completely faithful seed. How have you then turned yourself before me into the degenerate shoots of a foreign vine? Israel was planted by God as a choice plant. This is my picking here. And then in Ezekiel, another prophet says, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is what the Sovereign One says. As I have given the wood of the vine among the trees as fuel to the fire, so will I treat the people living in Jerusalem. I will set my face against them. Although they have come out of the fire, the fire will yet consume them. And when I set my face against them, you will know that I am the Lord. I will make the land desolate because they have been unfaithful, declares the Sovereign Lord. So, now God is referring to Jerusalem like a useless vine. One that was once choice is now good for nothing. Firewood. To be gathered up. Thank you, Jerusalem. Let's gather you all up and let's dump you on a fire. This is the graphic language the Lord is using. He is the holy, sovereign Lord. This is what the people of the Old Testament were facing. Israel failed because they didn't stay connected to God the reason being their hearts had wandered away. Humanity was in desperate need and it still is today. Would you agree? Humanity is in desperate need of a heart change. Not religion. Not what they were desperately trying to follow. That's why they couldn't do it. We don't need a heart change. Uh, sorry, we don't need religion. We need a complete heart change. So here, as Ezekiel is saying it's going to be gathered up and burned... We see in John 15, verse 6, Jesus says, If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So from Israel to Jesus, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. I am the new vine. He is the true, living, new vine. That is going to give new sustenance, new life new spiritual depth to people from all nations. Not just Israel, but to the nations of the world. Gentiles like us, unless there are any Jews here. Gentiles like me and like you. We would come into the blessing because God was connecting us to a new vine. I want to just say something here. It's all about Jesus. For In Colossians it says... For by him, meaning Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Listen to this. All things. So how many things is that? Yeah, All things. Sorry, I know it sounds like a patronising thing. All things. All things were created by him, Jesus, and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in him... All things hold together. So, is there any area of life that isn't all about Jesus? There's nothing. That is what the Word of God is wanting us to see. That everything we're involved in, every part of our lives, it is all for Him. It is all about Him. It is all because of Him. It is all through Him. And it all gives Him the ultimate glory. So, being connected to this vine. If you've put your faith in the Saviour, you're connected to Him. What I wanted us to get this morning, sometimes we can worry about how do we stay connected. I want you to enjoy the fact that you are connected. If you're genuinely born again, if you're genuinely, if you have genuinely put your faith in him, you're connected to him. It's not a matter of how you remain connected, you are connected. You've been grafted into this new vine. I love the picture of grafting, like a skin graft. It's meant to weave into the old skin, to cover it over, to be part of what that skin was like, dead skin, this new living skin grafted on. We've been grafted into, Jesus has been grafted into us. The two come hand in hand, we're abiding in each other. We've been joined to him, embedded in him, implanted in him, inserted, whatever other erted, that's what's happened to us. And the great news is that there is nothing in all creation that can separate you from him. I do not believe you can lose your salvation because if you can, you never had it. Those that lose their salvation were never saved. Simple as that. There might be some here this morning. If you can be snapped off from him, you are never grafted into him. Otherwise, it undermines the cross. If it is stuff that we need to do, then it undermines all that Jesus won for us. Amen? Amen. Please, you need to... I want you to trust me. I want you to trust the Word of God. If you can be broken away from Him, you are never, ever attached to Him. And I want us to see, guys, that we have something far greater than Israel. Far, far greater. There is such a difference. We stand in a completely new position. At the cross, Jesus Christ changed everything. At the cross, Jesus died for our sins. He rose for our salvation. He won for us new life. And he comes now to live on the inside of us. That is part of this grafting. Okay? So you might think, how how are we grafted? I can't see him. He's in you. See him in each other. When I look at Richard, I need to see Jesus in him. His life becomes our life. That's how connected we are. What is of Jesus is now of His, of us. His nature becomes our nature. More and more and more. In Galatians 2.20, if you're not convinced, listen to this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Colossians 3.3-4. For you died, that's that's who you are. My brother Reg Clark will keep telling you, if you're a Christian here, you're someone that's died. You have died to your old life. If that doesn't bring you joy, I don't know what will. You have died. You've been severed to your old life and your new life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you're going to appear with him in glory. There's an end time concept there. But when he is your life appears. So we need to enjoy this. Blimey, I'm running out of time. What do I leave out? What do I leave out? My father's the gardener. Let's look at that. He's the gardener, so the vine. We're attached to this vine my Father is the gardener. So Jesus wants us to know he's the true vine. He's the source of life and my Father is the shaper of life. He will shape us. It's great imagery. Elsewhere in scripture, God is referred to as a potter and we as the clay. Isaiah 64, 8. Yet you, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So God is the one who shapes our lives. So although we're connected, listen, I want this to bring you great freedom and liberty today, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You do not shape your life. If you try, you're going to fail every time. Now, what I'm not saying is you don't work hard. You just sit there and eat 17 Big Macs a day, and you watch whatever, you know, I'm not saying that, but it doesn't start with us doing, doing, doing. It starts with us being somewhere. As we rest somewhere and allow God, he will shape us. And boy, don't we need it. God's the potter, he's going to mould us, he's going to sand us down, he's going to knock off edges. Who's thankful that God's at work in their life? Are you thankful that he's at work in your life? Just have a look at one another quickly. You might have known each other for years. Some of you might have known me for for years now. I hope you've seen a change in my life. I, I know I've seen changes in many of you. That's what it's about. So connected to Jesus, he will do one of two things. He says he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. So cutting and pruning... In the life of a believer, it will happen to all of you. Those that haven't been Christians for long, hold on to your seats. You're going to be cut and you're going to be pruned because you are the work of God the gardener, or in other translations, the vine dresser. He's dressing you. He's shaping you. So you might be here thinking, well, that just was radically severed from me. Yeah, because he's cut it out. And there's other areas that he's just pruning He's just clipping. He's, he's bringing it back so it can grow again. Can you imagine? Hang on. The reason it does this, is it actually it's for our good and for God's glory. It's for our good and God's ultimate glory. Can you imagine a gardener like Brian, happy, turning up at his garden, with weeds growing everywhere? It's like, look at my beautiful garden. Doesn't it look stunning? His workers will be like, no. Looks dreadful. Where have you been? Or a potter, just like that? Seventeen pound fifty, please. No, that's not what happens. You watch a skilled potter; their hands are wet. They're moulding this. I sound like I know what I'm talking about. I think this is They're moulding this thing. They're chipping it away. They they get it at just the right temperature. They're the ones that are shaping it. The clay just kind of bubbles around, but it's it's safe in the potter's hands. We need to know that we're safe in his hands. So the cutting and pruning is the same with us. The closer we walk with him, he will cut stuff out that isn't of him. When I became a Christian, the day that I believed, the moment that I believe, I felt the sever between me and the drugs, gone. It was just severed. It's not of God. Severed. Peace in my life, restored. That was of God. I used to smoke. This was something that was more of a, an ongoing burn, if you like. It wasn't his best for me. It's just working, working, working. I didn't try to do it in my own steam, it was just one day and was just like, "You haven't had a fag today?" No, I haven't. Do you, do you see what I mean? There's stuff that he's cutting, cutting away. Now I'm not condemning any of you that smoke, right? It's freedom. He will change you. But there's also pruning. Sometimes in your life, you'll be pruned right back. Why do gardeners like Brian prune their stuff right back so it can become even more beautiful, even more fruitful? So if you're in a stage of life where you're feeling, what's this all about? Why am I going through this? God might just be pruning you. So you can just go, boom, even more grapes, even more apples, even more fruit. I need to finish. I am such a waffler. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord. So, what is this fruit that we become? I'm going to leave that whole chunk. We need to get here. What is this fruit? What is this fruit that we become Christ-like in our character? I think it, it doesn't... I don't think the fruit that Jesus is referring to here is about church growth evangelistic success, uh, church explosion, mini- mission, that kind of thing, as wonderful and as absolutely as important as that is, that is not the fruit that Jesus is starting with. That is probably the result of fruit, but the, re- the fruit Jesus, I believe, is referring to is Christ-like character within. Okay? So we are Christ-like when we are out. You will come in in contact with people that will call themselves Christians, yet there's no fruit in their lives. Are they loving? Are they joyful? Are they peaceful? Are they giving? Are they generous? Those kind of things. So I believe the fruit that Jesus here is talking about is for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. I think the fruit that he is talking about here is Christ-like character within. This is to my Father's glory. It really is God's intention that we bear much fruit, tons of it. That is God's intention for you. By fruit, Jesus is talking about evidence. Some of you, with the concept of fruit, you might think, "I, I can't get you here. What I mean is that we bear much evidence, that there's signs, there's proofs, there's confirmations, there's facts in our lives that we're bearing something, that there's evidence spilling out. Now, this isn't reserved for the gifted. It's not reserved for the special people, the special ones, whoever you are. This isn't reserved for those with good behaviour. This is reserved for every Bible-believing, spirit-filled, Jesus-saving Christian. Every one of you. We don't have to get all anxious about how, how it depends on us The fruit is down to the health and success of the vine. I'm sure gardeners will tell you that. If the vine's good, the fruit will probably be good. And is Jesus good? He is absolutely, wonderfully, beautifully good. So there's no blockage his end. So, this is the fruit, that we are more like Christ, that everything we do is permeated with him, that we are on a journey of being shaped by him while we're connected to him through him by the Spirit. That's the journey that God's taken us on. That's the journey. It says here in 2 Corinthians three eighteen, and we who with unveiled faces, we now there's nothing that holds us back from God. All reflect the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Isn't that wonderful? We are being transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory until we're in glory. Isn't that wonderful? Transformed. Where does it come from? It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So through the Holy Spirit, this Christ-likeness is not worked up by sand. It's not worked up by me that says, I've got to be more loving and kind. No, no, no. It says, I've got to just enjoy Jesus. I've got to love on him. I've got to be connected to him. That means walking day by day by day, listening for him. And through me, he will act and move. So through the power of the Spirit, we're being developed this way. The Bible says that God is Spirit. And we are now the dwelling place, the temple of this Holy Spirit who comes to now live and reside in us. So, this is the fruit we're looking for. This is the fruit we're looking for. Galatians 5, to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit, is love. Many of you will be able to recite this, but I want it to dunk again into your hearts. Is love, joy, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the evidence of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus Christ at work in you. Love. We often think, what fruit? I want to be able to tell my friends about Jesus. Really important. Keep telling your friends about Jesus. Tick. This is more important, that you love your friends like Jesus that you love them like Jesus, that you're joyful around them like Jesus, that you have peace that only Jesus can bring, that you're patient with them as Jesus has been with you, that you're kind to them as Jesus is with you, that you're good, that you're faithful, that you're gentle and that you're self-controlled. These are the very attributes of Jesus. So if Jesus is divine and we're connected to him, we're grafted to him, his sap... As Paul reminded me this morning, his sap will be flowing through our veins, out of our bodies, out of our new man, our spirit, and our spirit will ooze all these wonderful attributes. So I'm finishing with this. When people look at us, encounter us, speak with us, they see the life and works of Jesus flowing through us. Something that's authentic and real. Who's sick and tired of nominal Christianity, functional Christianity? Come on, I don't, I'm not, we're not. Did you see that, Terry? Did you get that? You know, we're not here to knock each other. I am so past functional church-going, nominal Christianity. We don't want that here. We want radical Jesus-following faith. We're connected to him. We're open for him to speak to us, to direct us. We don't want to just be a bunch of churchgoers. We want to be radical Jesus followers. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is God's heart and desire for you, that he shapes you to look just like him. That's what we've been designed for, you know. Colin, that's what you've been designed for. Jesus to live on the inside of you. Jesus to flow through you. That's what you've been designed for. Enjoy every last minute of it. Can I just pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy over our lives. I thank you that you're so good to us. I thank you that you have not treated us as our sins deserve... And I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Aled, I was wondering, could you just come and play? Guys, if you've got children, can you, in a minute, once I've prayed, go and collect your children? I'm sorry we've overrun. But what I'd love to do is, we're just going to sing, stand and sing. Those that need to go and get their children, they'll be coming in, so please go and get them. But I'd love to pray. I'd love us to pray together. And for you to just be open to God. Just be open. Be an open book before him open yourself up and say, Father, how are you speaking to me? What do I need from you today? Is it more joy? Is it more love? Is it more patience, self-control? There's so much more that we could have talked about, touched on. But I want you then to come and, come down to the front. If you'd like to receive prayer, and it's not about us, but we do believe in the impartation, the laying on of hands. If you're feeling anxious, if, it's, if you're bored if you're just fed up, if, whatever it is, what, what do you need? Jesus says, come to me, those that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You'll find rest for your soul in Jesus. I'd love to pray for you for these things. I really want to pray for sonship this morning, that people would receive something afresh at their sons. So if you'd like that, come down to the front. Me and the pastoral deacons are going to pray for you about resting as well, that you're anxious. Sounded like a gun. (laughs) Also to encounter the Holy Spirit afresh. If you'd like to encounter him, I'd like you to come forward, because we're going to pray for you. And also healing. I don't want to miss this opportunity. If you're here this morning and you're sick, I want to believe God that we're about to lay our hands on you and we'll see the sick raised. That's something John Arnott reminded us of. He said the disciples were gathered to his feet, anointed and sent out to preach the good news, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. And he said that was their beginner's manual. That was their beginner's manual. So we want to keep trusting God for that. So, Heavenly Father, I pray, come and have your way with us. Why don't we stand? And if you've got children, please go and get your kids now. And for the others left here, bring your kids back in. Let's worship him. Let's open up our hearts, our minds, our spirits to him. Let's believe we will encounter him and then come forward and we're going to pray for you.